welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Jackson White, co-founder and editor-in-chief of Politiscope, TYT Rebel HQ, creator, host on YouTube channel Politics and Paper. That show is doing very well, by the way. Always fascinating to have our dear brother on the program. Top story of the day, former President Donald Trump compares himself to Nelson Mandela. And in related but unrelated news, his daughter is going to testify against him. Hell of a thing. Uh, let's put up the uh, actual man, Nelson Mandela, the iconic leader, transformational servant who was actually persecuted under an oppressive government. The face says it all. Nelson Mandela is basically saying, come on, man. Come on. Let's hear what Trump had to say. Here it is. But we don't get scared. We don't get scared. I'll tell you what. I don't mind being Nelson Mandela because I'm doing it for a reason. I'll tell you what. I don't mind being Nelson Mandela because I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it for a reason. You know, the people who support Trump saying he doesn't mind being Nelson Mandela don't even like Nelson Mandela. Irony is unreal. Um, the insanity of it all. So in a crowd, in front of a crowd, Trump, who has been, you know, in a heap of legal trouble, was addressing the wave of criminal and civil charges against him. During the summer, he was booked at the Fort County Jail in Georgia for his alleged effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in the state. Separately, he is in hot water in connection to storing classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago estate and for making hush money payments, including to former adult film star Stormy Daniels, to be quiet about their alleged affair during his campaign in particular. Trump's Mandela comments were met with applause from the crowd. Mandela, uh, the beloved former president of South Africa, Nobel Peace Prize recipient, was imprisoned for nearly three decades for his fight against Africa's apartheid system. A book released in 2020 by Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, revealed that he allegedly once referred to Mandela as, quote, no leader, according to CBS News. Political leaders in South Africa responded to the comment reportedly referring to Trump in this way. Divisive, misogynistic, and disrespectful person ever to occupy the office of the presidency, end quote. People on social media blasted Trump for putting himself in the same category as Mandela. Quote, Nelson Mandela was known for his efforts in reconciliation and his grace and lack of bitterness as leader of South Africa after being imprisoned for over 25 years. This was the former Arkansas governor, Asa Hutchinson. Donald Trump has no claim to his legacy, one user on X said. Outrageous. The fact that Donald Trump is comparing himself to Nelson Mandela perfectly illustrates his level of delusion 
another ex-user reacted with, quote, since Trump likes to compare himself with Nelson Mandela, maybe he should be thrown into a seven-by-foot prison cell for 27 years, end quote. One of the dynamic transformational qualities of Nelson Mandela was his ability to actually progress beyond revenge. Once he was the person the country wanted, and it was inevitable that he was going to be the leader after the insanity that came against him a decade, he could have easily ordered every person who plotted, even thought about plotting against him, he could have ordered them to death. He had grace. He wanted the nation to heal. There's more, put her up. She's going to testify against the daddy. This is going to be an interesting saga. Uh, Per BBC News, Ivanka Trump will testify in a business fraud case against her father and her brothers. A New York judge has ruled on this contrary to the wishes of her legal counsel. She had previously sought not to take the stand, arguing that that she actually moved out of the city, stepped away from the Trump organization. But the judge said she still maintains ties to Trump businesses and to real estate in New York. He has already ruled that Donald Trump inflated the value of his properties to secure favorable loans. You know, if you do that, do that, that's illegal. You go to jail, you get prosecuted. He does it, eh, you know, we'll see. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. I'm just continuously fascinated by Donald Trump's endless campaign of victimhood. And that's just how he operates. And that's a lot of how he's gotten his way throughout yeah. his life, is he's engineered things so that you know, he'll get you in trouble some type of way unless he gets his way. Like, I'll tell on you, I'll tell my daddy or whatever it may be. And that's transpired all the way through to now, except, you know, now that's, he has 91 felony charges. He's somebody who can't shut his mouth. He can't stop breaking gag orders. He's in a position where he has so much trouble and all of it's of his own doing. Some of it, uh, of it being unnecessary. He didn't need to take those, uh, those classified documents home with him and stash him next to the toilet. He had a year and a half to give them back. He didn't do it. You know, so you just got to put yourself in his shoes, as difficult as that may be. It's just this never ending nightmare psychosis where, I mean, how can he sleep straight? He doesn't. He tweets at 5 30, 4 30 in the morning. Right. And the and it's getting longer and longer and longer. Um, his problem, uh, he has many of them. And the Republican Party has many problems. So one of them being is that the election is in a couple of months from now. And I'm not even just saying about his chances going up against Biden, but he has just this much more time to create chaos. And it's possible that all of the co-defendants in Georgia may flip against him. Why wouldn't they? And all of it is unnecessary. So it's just, I mean, it's you can't help but watch. Yeah, man. And I got to tell you, I received inside information from a source of mine in Georgia. Who said really eight people total? Uh, they have already flipped on Trump six um, for sure. So you got two more that's coming out very soon, and possibly another two. Uh, the paperwork simply has not been finalized, but they have signaled we are ready to plead. 
guilty and testify against Donald Trump. We shall see how that develops. A council meeting and a black woman, she's talking to council. She's called racial slurs. She's told to go back to Africa. She says council did nothing to protect her. Put her up full mass. Hell of a story. This happened in San Bernardino, California. Amy Malone is her name. She spoke in person. At the city council meeting last week, October 18th, two men on Zoom interrupted her using derogatory terms, including the N-word, NBC Los Angeles reported. The audio was muted in a video of the meeting due to the offensive language, but NBC Los Angeles confirmed that one of the men could be heard telling Malone, go back to Africa. And both men repeatedly used the N-word. Wow, Miss Malone reacted. She immediately addressed officials saying that they should apologize for the heckless actions instead of being ordered to wait by Mayor Pro Tem uh, Fred Shurick. That's according to the video. It's, it's a technical, I don't have any control over that. And, and certainly that is inappropriate. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. End quote, he said. Uh, she responded, thank you, thank you. Uh, to me, that should have been the first thing said to every African-American in this place. It's not just a me thing. This is an everybody thing. Nothing like that. Nothing like that should happen. Nothing. And I want to say this, I echo her sentiment. But that's offensive to everyone who's not racist. So, of course, that's offensive to the target audience is also offensive to those who are allied with us. So yes, an apology should go directly to the target audience. We are sorry, ma'am, and to everyone who's part of the African American community. We're gonna make sure that never happens again. We're gonna cut that feed off. They would not be able to participate here anymore. And to everyone who's here, we'll apologize for the offense. Real simple, real simple. There's more. Um, she told NBC Los Angeles that she is disappointed by how city officials addressed the situation. Quote, I was hoping that the people in charge were going to take control and really stop everything for a moment and shut it down and allow me to get myself together. And that's not what happened, she said. Per the outlet, local police are probing the incident and have gathered the men's IP addresses. In addition, the local NAACP chapter chimed in and slammed the uh, disgusting comments. Speaking to NBC Los Angeles, Malone said she wants the hecklers to be charged. So let's put up the mayor, um, Helen Tran is her name, held an event on Monday to publicly condemn the remarks. The Los Angeles Times reported the city also issued an apology and added that it is reviewing its remote comment protocols to identify steps that can be taken to prevent this from happening, all right? Uh, the mayor will go on to say, quote, last Wednesday does not define us as a city. In part, per the times, that is not who we are. Tonight, we stand together as a unified community because hateful comments by two individuals are not a reflection 
of what the city of San Bernardino is or what we stand for. Um, and I agree, they're good people in your community. They're actually some good people inside of your operational government. But here's an approach I recommend to the leadership of the city. Well, things like this happen. Instead of saying, we're investigating, we're looking into it, we have their IP addresses, we're gonna see what can be done in the future, possibly, perhaps, maybe. Instead of doing that, very clear about what will and will not happen in your city. Be very clear about the penalty for those who have already violated decorum and possibly law. Be very clear that you're willing to make them, those individuals, public. You know why? Because they were on a public channel. They were providing public comment. They no longer have right to privacy. So how about you blast their pictures and names for everyone to see? You have the legal right to do that. They decided to offer those comments in a public forum. They did. That would be a start. All right, Jackson, thoughts here? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you have to put your foot down in a way to show that there's consequences for things like this, because uh, we're continuing to have to deal with racism in this country, given the fact that, you know, a lot of those are the founding pillars of the nation. It's also just an unfortunate negative aspect of the human condition. It's part of how we group ourselves together. It's part of our tribal nature, but it's not something that we can't overcome. And so, you know, right now, unfortunately, we're living in an era, you know, you can't point and be like, oh, this is all because of Donald Trump, but just the style of his being, who he is, nothing really matters. You know, like you got Marjorie Taylor Greene on the floor of Congress showing, uh, you know, uh, private pictures of uh, Hunter Biden, you know, just in a, just everything's just nuts. Everything's crazy. So, hey, you know, why not go to this public space and say what I feel like? So, just in regard to how you uh, mentioned, you got to be able to be like, nah, nah, we're not going to have that because people can't think that it's okay. Um, and we do live in uh, in an era where this is unfortunately becoming a bigger issue. So, yep, it's becoming more and more proclaimed uh, in public spaces where children are, where uh, the ears of everyone can be. That's the big difference. That was we're seeing at council meetings, et cetera. These are, things are not happening just in private context. They're happening in public context more and more. All right, we'll bring you updates as they come. Florida, I'm convinced something is in the water. Uh, so there's, uh, let's say, a tussle in front of children. There's a grown person. Let's go to the video. Unbelievable. Put up the picture full mass. I will explain to you what you just saw. So Florida video has gone viral of two mothers brawling on a school bus in front of children. Children are terrified, okay? They're screaming to the top of their lungs. The mothers got into a physical fight over a dispute their young ones were having over a toy. So understand the irony, keep that picture up. 
The children are having a dispute. Now the parents are having a dispute. Okay. The county sheriff's office was called at the disturbance and saw that it was obviously out of hand. One of the Mills Creek Elementary School bus drivers was dropping students off along his usual route when a pair of schoolmates started arguing. As they approached the Heritage Park apartment complex in Kissimmee, Florida. A deputy report stated that, quote, the parents of the two children of the two students took it upon themselves to insert themselves into a harmless dispute between children and made it about themselves, turning the innocent dispute into a violent physical altercation that made both the children and staff members on board. The school bus run towards the back, cowering fear. So officers wrote this in the incident report according to the mercinsunstar.com. And according to the school board, the districts, uh, the, uh, according to the school district, excuse me, the parents should have never gotten it on, on that bus at all. In a statement, the district said they have rules that prohibit non-authorized adults from boarding buses and further stressed the importance of respecting the boundaries of our school buses. Unauthorized entry onto a school bus can pose various risk, including interference with the bus, uh, the bus driver's duties, disruption to other st- uh, students, and potential safety hazards. The statement continued, adding that the policy is that if someone does enter the bus without the consent of the driver, the sheriff will be contacted and the offender will be subject to trespass and prosecution. The sheriff's office stated that there was probable cause to arrest both parents. However, it remains unconfirmed whether they have been arrested and charged by the deputy. So likely not, um, likely not. So let's talk about the permeation of the children arguing. Likely because the adults have taught them to argue. See, children mimic behavior. Children mimic behavior. They're not always listening. It's ironic, isn't it? Children are not always listening, but they are always learning. And they pick up on everything, even things that they are unaware of and us as parents at times as well. All right, Jackson, hell of a thing. Um, Like I said, I don't think they have been arrested. Uh, they're saying it's unconfirmed. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I mean, I ain't got no kids yet. <laughs> that ain't have to be the case, but I guess, you know, the Lord has other plans for later, but it's all good. But but look, I ain't got kids, so I can't say what I would do, but I I, I know I wouldn't do nothing like that. It's, you know, it's better ways to go about things, obviously. Uh, so whatever trouble they get in, there's, I mean, it's totally self-inflicted. I mean, this just isn't a situation that needed to happen. There's some toys. And you know, just uh, more importantly, you did it around kids. You could have hurt a bunch of kids. So that's definitely going to be a huge liability in w- if there is a case or whatever. Um, but it was just unnecessary and it was stupid. Um, there's really not much grace to give in this situation, at least in my opinion. You know, it's, yeah. it's a toy and y'all are adults. Yeah. And a lot of times we put the emphasis on the physical, um, the potential of physical harm. But there's a reality of psychological harm that has yeah. already happened. When children start screaming like that and running in fear, 
That's psychological trauma, period. And if it's because of someone that they actually looked up to or look up to, that is a confusing reality for a child. We will update the story as it develops. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Okay. Membership. All right. Thanks to you. Thanks to the viewers. Uh, we're able to bring you a lot of great content, talk about things others are unwilling to talk about. TYT membership is important. A member is a fighter, leader, change maker, and believer in positive transformation. Your support helps us deliver a bold commentary you don't see anywhere else. You don't have to agree with all of it, but it's authentic. That's important. You can join right now. Hit the join button or go to tyt.com slash join. We appreciate you in advance. Okay, cats and dragon. Trump's MAGA base doesn't even understand the basic concept of apartheid. That's, that is so true. They, they really, they wouldn't have no idea how to answer that question. You are completely correct. Good observation. He's trying to make himself into a martyr. Boom. Let me tell you what he's doing. And that's a great observation once again. He's doing the same thing he did while being president. He's setting himself up for a no-lose outcome. How is that? Well, while being president, running for re-election, he said, hey, listen, if I win, I win. If I lose, they rigged it, okay? So even if I lose, I still won, all right? So now he's saying, hey, you know, they can't, they can't prosecute me. Uh, this is an illegal prosecution. We will be vindicated, but even if I do get successfully prosecuted and a jury finds me guilty, no problem, I'm a martyr. I'm, I'm Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah, he still wins, okay? So he's setting the scenario up to where he cannot lose, all right? Next, TYT reporter. Way too rooted Giuliani takes a plea deal. I mean, that's the one, that's the one. Trump is going to be sweating bullets. Giuliani doesn't have the money to fight these cases. He's almost definitely going to flip. To me, that's the guy. That's the guy. Why is he the guy? He's the guy because according to uh, the woman who worked for him, Giuliani and Trump had this illegal deal where people could purchase pardons for two million bucks. And Giuliani would get one million. Trump would get the other. Now talk about illegal. I mean, damn, that's the person. Yeah, I agree. All right, and Fritz, uh, is it Jacques? Thank you so much for that. Two of my favorite people, Dr. Rich and Snackson. Yes, it's a good day. Arts, I love you guys. We love you back. As always, Fritza made some beef Wellington just casually yesterday. She just cooled what? like that. You and I was like, that's like the most difficult thing to to cook. I heard because I can't cook it. You know what I'm saying? Sounds like an invite to dinner, dear brother. Yeah, that's me. exactly what it sounds like. You don't <laughs> have to make that happen. <laughs> Malcolm X exactly. Then put Trump in jail for two decades. Uh, make that three. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Dog TV fascists like Trump have to steal valor. From the Valorists, that's right. Otherwise, what is anyone supposed to fall for? Such a great point. Uh, and Ganja underscore Goddess underscore Dragon. 
Um, I love how Jackson has an old school 90s scrunchie around his wrist. I didn't oh, notice yeah. that. Oh, yeah, Look it's player. That. It's player. You know what ah. I'm saying? Just think about it. You feel me? Yeah. But yeah, it's nice. I like it. You know what I'm saying? It's good <laughs> on you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> okay, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. No, they not, because I'm taping. They not going to be in trouble. Look at this. Let me go. I didn't do anything illegal. Let me go. No. No, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You yelled at me. I didn't do anything. So you supposed to fight? Because I just went down there today. Hey, keep your feet on the ground, Lisa. You're gonna make it worse shut on your. Up. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Shut up. Let me shut up. There's more. Here it is. All right, put up the picture full mass. You see, obviously, uh, this young lady is having a bad day. We've all had them. I want to bring your attention to something because I'm not sure what she's going through. She may be going through a season or a moment. I don't know, but I do know this. The officers who arrested her were extremely professional. The officers who arrested her did not kill her even though she attacked them. When the officer was kicked, there was no aggression from him or any other cop present. Nobody said, that's it, I'm done with this. Nobody tased the handcuffed suspect, nobody shot. The handcuffed suspect. Now, I want to compare this, keep that picture up. I want to compare this to something. I want you to imagine this is a black male who's having a bad day too. A black male who's having a bad day too. And that black male is acting the exact same way and decides to kick a police officer while being handcuffed. Do you think those officers respond in the same respectful manner? This is just a question. It is circumstantial, yes. Do you think they respond so professionally during the entire ordeal? Or does that physical act, regardless of why the black male is acting in that particular manner, does the physical attack grant them the right to then do whatever they choose to? I just want you to consider these because officers are absolutely able to demonstrate professionalism when they choose. So when there's a narrative that goes the other way 
and the police chief or the mayor, they get on television and tell you what our officers did was wrong. So we're gonna make sure they have more training, that's BS. That's to get you to turn your head away from what just happened. That's an easy way to manipulate citizens of a community. Officers are well aware of how to employ professionalism when required or when they choose. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. Well, I was about to say that she didn't been drip dry her privilege because she being taken off like a defective product. They're about to take her back to the Amazon factory, to the Amazon warehouse, but they didn't beat her up. So I, I, I had to revoke that statement. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was definitely, if she gone through it or not or whatever, uh, she just seemed to be in some type of mental state where it's like, I will not submit. I will wow. not back down. No matter what, like she just, you know, so uh, I guess uh, it's good they got her in there. Maybe she can get some help. Maybe after a little bit, she can get better because, you know, I guess we all deserve a chance to try again. You know, Uh, I don't know what was going on, but hey, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, but we do know she kicked the cop and the cop did not kill her. We do know that. That's why I said I had to revoke what I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) All right. going to make your blood boil. Put him a full mass. You see, there's a college student, a college student in Los Angeles named Judah Atkins, a USC student. Mr. Atkins was charged with a violent crime, but he never committed it. He did not do it. The legal system also found him completely innocent. He didn't do it. Everybody is unanimous. He did not do it. You have the right of innocence in a court of law, his innocence was upheld. He was innocent the entire time is my point, okay? USC, however, suspended him pending these allegations that he was innocent of. Once vindicated in the judiciary, they decided to still enforce the suspension of Judah Atkins. Let me give you background that he was falsely charged for. According to LAPD officers, there's a police report at roughly 9.30 p.m. On the night of April 9th, 2022, an armed robbery took place in a parking lot off of the Olive Street in downtown LA, roughly 2.5 miles northeast of USC's University Park campus. Two individuals held a a couple at gunpoint. As their car was ransacked. That's a hell of a crime, right? After the suspects drove off with the stolen items, LAPD were eventually able to locate a car matching the description given by the couple on West 35th Street, just across the street from USC. Atkins was never involved in the crime at all. At the time of the initial crime, young Mr. Atkins was in attendance at the SC Choreographic Showcase. That's at Bing Theater, near the center of USC's campus, evidenced by an electronic ticket receipt. He went to a small group or went with a small group to support a friend who was part of the performance. A little after this time, Mr. Atkins explained that he noticed the growing sound of sirens and a helicopter. 
Officers eventually arrived at Atkins' location on Catalina Street, a couple streets over from where the suspect's vehicle was found. There's more. Quote, I tried explaining that I was a USC student simply walking home. But I had no human response from any of these officers, Atkins said. He was arrested at 1.50 a.m. the morning of April 30th by three LAPD officers. No body camera footage was ever released to the public or to his family. According to his arrest record, Atkins was charged with two felonies, aggravated robbery and the use of a firearm during the crime. These charges were the complete antithesis to who Atkins was. A star student, a record that doesn't exist, no criminal record at all. While in custody, he explained that he was treated like a dog with phone calls and shoes withheld for four days and meals that were burnt to the point of being inedible while being in a cell designed to torture the claustrophobic 24-7. As day by day went on, I started to get more and more depressed and suicidal, he explained. You're literally in a stone room with bars, one toilet, and 20 other guys. After four days, Atkins was allowed outside contact and called those close to him, including Tomas Mania, a current junior studying quantitative biology. You see, Thomas was a good friend and had been a member of the group that Mr. Atkins attended the SC choreography showcase. The, uh, with the night of his arrest, according to what transpired or after he explained it, his friend Tomas called the then Dean of Student Affairs, that is your advocate of any college, allegedly, supposedly, as well as officials within the Department of Public Safety at USC in order to try and figure out what role the school could play in aiding the young student, Mr. Atkins, whether that be legal, financial, psychological, something. His efforts fell on deaf ears. According to court records, The bail was $150,000 after he was finally arraigned. He was arraigned on May 2nd, 2022. Two days later, Judah's father, Eric Atkins, was notified by USC via email that his son had been indefinitely suspended from the university. Unfortunately, Atkins would remain detained between Los Angeles County facilities for nearly two weeks for something he never did. There's more. After two miserable, restless, and stressful weeks, Atkins was released on his own recognizance on May 11th. I, I want you to, I, I, before I finish this statement, I want you to understand what that means. That means a judge looked at the case, a judge looked at evidence presented. The bond was $150,000 initially. 
they released him on a signature. I don't know anyone who has ever been accused of armed robbery getting released on their recognizance or a signature. We call that a signature bond. In other words, the judge knew good and damn well this man did not commit robbery. You don't release a robber on a signature. There's more. Court sanctioned pretrial supervision meant that the student had to wear an ankle monitor at all times and he wasn't to leave the area specified by supervision. He was to report back to his preliminary hearing five days later. Upon release from jail on May 11th, Atkins was immediately directed by USC to remove his belongings from his dorm at Kale and Arani Residential College. Escorted by DPS officers and a residential advisor in the middle of the day in front of all. Let me give you the negative impact. Uh, between jail time and USC's uh, suspension, Atkins had missed his last few weeks of freshman year, including all of his finals. He describes how the university never offered any academic compensation for his lost time. Additionally, Atkins was diagnosed with post traumatic stress. Disorder at Silver State Health Services in Las Vegas soon after his release with symptoms including sleep disturbances, hypervigilance, flashbacks, increased anxiety. So let's talk about efforts to overturn and clear this man, to overturn this suspension. So on June 6, 2022, after a month of the young student Mr. Atkins arrest, and more than two weeks after his final release from jail, the student's suspension appeal was rejected following review. It wouldn't be until weeks into the fall 2022 semester that USC would reach out to the students affected, including both his friend Tomas and Atkins. There was, however, an effort from one faculty member, assistant vice provost, of student affairs, Darren Muko, who tried to help Atkins reintegrate into student life and aid in providing mental health resources. But according to Atkins, it seems like he may have been the only one. So the Annenberg Media submitted questions to USC and the university declined an interview request but sent the following statement. The university is deeply committed to the well-being of every student and does all it can to supply his policies, to apply his policies in a compassionate and thoughtful manner. While we cannot discuss the specifics of individual cases due to federal student privacy laws, we believe the university acted appropriately in this matter based on the information available at the time. Interim action safety measures may be applied while we gather more information. And they are often modified or released as additional information comes to light. But where's the modification? Where's the modification? He has been adjudicated, found to be actually innocent, both legally, ethically, morally, realistically, practically. What's the update? There is none, according to Atkins. So based on information that you knew at the time, I really, I want to address that for a moment. As a university professor, 
I'd be damned if I believe a police report of a student that I know. That's not evidence. A judge won't even allow a police report to be part of prosecuting an individual inside of the court of law. It is dismissed as hearsay because they don't trust cops either. But you tell me that the police report was enough for you to do all of this to this young man, no consultation, no talking, nothing. Put it up. The friends of Judah Atkins, they have organized a GoFundMe for him so he could find his financial footing once again. This is totally, totally turned his life upside down. You can go to the GoFundMe. I encourage you to do so. I will be doing so myself today. Help Judah after his wrongful arrest by LAPD. You can find it on GoFundMe. I want to thank, and let's keep that GoFundMe up. I want to thank, we want to thank Daphne Yaman of Annenberg Media for her reporting on this story. And a member of our team, Benjamin Papp, for bringing this story to our attention. Let's put them up. Thank you both for bringing this story to our attention. All right, um, so I'm going to say this uh, to the leadership of the university. And, and let's make sure that in post, we put up the president uh, and also the provost of the university, put up their pictures, make sure people know exactly who they are. Buck stops with them. They are able to override these decisions made by middle management of any university. Um, this is an opportunity for you to get it right. Okay. This is an opportunity for you to get it right. You don't know me, and I don't know you. But I promise you, this is not the way to meet me. Get it right. It will be over with. Everybody will do an update on the story. And the young man gets to continue his academic study. All right, Jackson, thoughts here? Well, I think it's important for everybody to continue to push this story because I think it's one that will, and not just can, but will catch on because everybody can and should be sued. Sue the police department, the city, the school, because it's clear, one, there's just a, a, a lot of ire to, to, to sadistically hurt this kid. And then also on the university's part, um, they just were like, get rid of it. You know, that, that's all they did. That, that, that's how they handled it. Um, so many liabilities everywhere. This situation was handled so poorly that, as you pointed out, this how could this not have flipped his life completely upside down? Right. Who's ever really um, prepared to deal with something like this? But especially when you're that young and you haven't even really perhaps yet had to deal with challenges in your career or, you know, different types of hurdles that maybe you face as you get a little older. Um, but now he's got all this baggage that he's going to have to carry around with him for the rest of his life. Um, so, again, I hope that uh, he can sue and win as big as possible, because uh, I yeah. think this is a story that people can really uh, can really feel for. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, as you know, Jackson, uh, he was a victim of the justice system, a completely innocent man caught up in a whirlwind of incompetence and likely bias. 
And then he gets victimized further by his own institution that he's paying to obtain an academic education. And then when he's adjudicated as actually innocent, they don't even update their ruling based on charges that have been completely dismissed. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Cop, a police officer, okay, put him up full mask, decides to force girls to send him explicit images. Lewis Edwards is a UK police officer who blackmailed and threatened an underage girl to send him explicit photos of, of themselves on Snapchat. He's been jailed for life. Did you hear what I said? Life. Edwards, who reportedly groomed more than 200 girls online, had 4,500 indecent images of underage individuals, admitted to 160 counts of child sexual abuse and blackmail. Uh, the South Wales police officer messaged 210 girls aged 10 to 16. Did you hear me? 10 to 16 from November 2020 until February 2023. And images of 207 of them were found on his device. Edwards, who refused to go to Cardiff Crown Court throughout his three-day sentencing hearing, joined the force as a police constable in January 2021. But obviously, it's now barred from policing. Handing him multiple concurrent prison sentences, including several life sentences with a minimum of 12 years, Judge Tracy Lloyd Clark said, quote, it is clear that he not only gained sexual gratification from his offending, but he also enjoyed the power and control he had over these young girls, end quote. Edwards will also be subject to an indefinite sexual harm prevention order. Barring him from working with children or vulnerable people and requiring him to keep his personal details logged with police. She described his behavior as cruel and sadistic and psychologically manipulative, adding that he posed a high risk of danger to children. So Edwards, this uh, cop, used a profile picture of a teenage child, okay, to try to trick his victims into sending images to that image, all right? With one saying during video calls, Edwards would sit in the dark, showing only part of his actual face. When the victims tried to ignore his demands, he threatened to share the images he already had. All right, so this was his MO. Or said he would hurt their family, another part of his MO. Edwards installed a legitimate application which allowed him to record images sent to him by the girls on Snapchat without their knowledge. Uh, Prosecutor Roger Griffiths said Edwards received images from girls while on duty at least 30 times, could be more. Judge Lloyd Clark said Edwards' crimes were significantly aggravated by the fact he was a police officer. Boom. That's in the UK. We do totally opposite here in America. We let them off easier, not harder. She added, quote, there is no doubt that his actions have caused significant harm to the reputation of South Wales police and police in general, end quote. 
So let me give you the investigation. South Wales police said its investigation into the case began in December 2022 when the force was made aware of suspicious online banking activity linked to the downloading of indecent images of children from the dark web. Officers linked an IP address to Edward's address and after his home was searched, victims were identified through Snapchat username. Despite Edwards refusing to provide pin codes to two of his devices, South Wales Police Assistant Chief Constable Daniel Richards said Edwards' crimes were, quote, despicable. As soon as we knew the offender was serving, was a serving police officer, Edwards was suspended and sacked. He also said that vetting of Edwards at the time of him joining the force did not indicate anything to suggest the abhorrent offenses. He found one victim through his police work. Lucy um, Dowdle of the Crown Prosecution Service said Edwards targeted vulnerable children and ruined their lives. Just one victim was found by Edwards directly through his role as a police officer, whom he messaged after responding to a 999 call and nothing, and noting, excuse me, her as a vulnerable girl in his paperwork. And so he took advantage of that vulnerability. Um, one of the saddest stories in the world, uh, naturally. Very difficult to imagine the extreme harm this cop did to the psychology of these impressionable children. All right, uh, Jackson, thoughts here? Well, one thing's for sure. If, if he's in any type of regular prison, any type of gym pop, at all, they're gonna kill him. That is going to happen. But um, you know, clearly this guy was created a world for himself where nothing existed other than him and his sick addiction. Uh, that clearly got worse and worse. He didn't join the force and do it this heavily right away. He got really comfortable. And uh unfortunately for everybody who was one of his victims. Um, you know, it was an addiction that he had absolutely no control over because, you know, uh, it, it's it's just disgusting. You know, so uh, good thing that he was caught and uh, he's not going to get much sympathy from anybody. But that was by his own hand. So that's right. I mean, completely yeah. self-inflicted every single time. Uh, and some of the most egregious things a man or person, period, can commit. Looks like uh, Jank Uger has some company. Let's put him up full mass. As you know, Jank is running for president of the United States. So is this guy now, Representative Dean Phillips. Ever heard of him? You're not the only one. He is from Minnesota, has announced his intentions to challenge President Joe Biden on the Democratic presidential ticket, formally launching his 2024 campaign Friday morning. In New Hampshire, where he will file to appear on the state's primary ballot. Phillips told CBS News that he has studied polling data and is alarmed about the prospect of former President Donald Trump beating Biden. Should the 2024 election end up becoming a rematch of the 2020 race? He said, at 80 years old, it's time for Biden to step aside for a new generation of Democrats to leave the party. Now, naturally, um, He's not the only one saying that. Even people inside of the party have said it. You've had Republicans say it about both Trump and Biden. And ironically, Jank 
Uger literally said, based on the polling data, just as Representative Dean Phillips, based on the polling data, uh, Biden is in more than what we would call political trouble, um, given the margins from the previous election. Um, so let's put up the graphic. President Biden's approval rating among Democrats has actually plummeted to a record low. Okay. Now, keep in mind, uh, 75% of individuals inside of the Democratic Party disapprove of the Democratic president. I'm not sure if I've ever seen that number in my, in my life. That's actually worse, 11 points worse than where it was last month. That's according to a new Gallup poll conducted on October 2nd to October 23rd. Uh, Biden's approval in October's Gallup poll fell four points to match a record low, uh, driven by his slide among Democrats. Uh, in other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is all horrible. This is all bad, really bad. And when I say bad, I don't mean bad in the sense of, um, you know, We'll be okay, but it's it's bad now. If Donald Trump ever gets hold of presidential power again, you can say goodbye to what you have known as democracy. He will never allow someone to occupy that presidency after him until he passes away. Because he would not allow another president to potentially prosecute him for the crimes that he has committed. In his opening remarks during his candidacy announcement, Phillips talked about many of the issues he sees our country facing today. Quote, the America that I love and the America that I know all of you love, the America that has shared refuge and has shared liberty and has shared opportunity with so many millions. But has yet to fulfill this great promise to millions more, said Phillips. You know, there is a sentiment among Democrats, even those who are in the elected class. Um, this is bad, we're in trouble. Well, we have this two party system that already is adverse to anything close to common sense. We also have this uh, de facto culture of selecting rather than actually electing leaders at that level. And then there's this, uh, I guess, gentleman's rule among those at that level of politics that says, well, you know, you can't run against an incumbent. You can't do so. Well, why? Where's that in the rule book? It doesn't exist. Why do you think it's there in culture? It's there in culture so that the Power can be shared with just a few people over the course of time. All right, Jackson, thoughts here. Well, look, I think um, you know it's good to see people jump into the race, and anybody who'd like to do that certainly uh, has the right to do so. But um, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of metrics to look at, and while Biden isn't a popular president, most part presidents really aren't all that popular. And most incumbents win re-election because they have the resources on their side. And just because polling shows that people don't like Biden doesn't mean that people won't vote for him if they don't like somebody better. So again, 
if anybody can, you know, pick up the the pace, um, pick, you know, build a movement behind them, then that's their right. I'm all for it. Uh, but Donald Trump is still Donald Trump. The Republican Party is still the Republican Party. And at the end of the day, most races are pretty close and it comes down to independents and swing voters. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of consequences at the end of this election. But all I'm really getting at is that, as you pointed out, we have a two party system and people generally aren't that happy with it. Um, so we got over a year left. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully more people do join the race. Um, so again, cause if, if there's a time to challenge an incumbent now, certainly a polling shows that for certain, but Donald yeah. Trump got 91 felony charges and so on and so forth. So unfortunately it's very close, but I think, you know, as many people that want to come into the race, go ahead and do it. You know, why yeah. not? We need it. Yeah. You make, you make a very true point about independence, uh, people that may self-identify as moderates, they do kind of sway the needle, right? But the, the reality is uh, in the construct of our political system today, uh, people who identify as independents are at the lowest margin it has ever been. Uh, there was a time where a lot of people identified as independents. Now, not so much. We're very polarized politically, but I concur with your point. Dear brother, always a pleasure have you on the program. Yes. Tell people they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, definitely. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Check me out on YouTube, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. Not only do we have daily programming, but we're building a, we're, I'm about to start a nonprofit organization that's primarily focused on getting people out to vote, teaching people no. how they can take advantage of accommodations, how they can vote early, things along those lines. But primarily our membership program is focused on community service, building jobs programs, stuff like that. So we do more than entertain. We out here in these streets trying to make a difference. So check me out at Politics and Paper on YouTube. Love it, dear brother. Thank you for all your leadership and continued service. Thank all you. right. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yep, in the bullpen today, we have our Dear friend, a brother from another mother. We have Shelly Winter, conservative talk radio host extraordinaire, uh, and also political pundit. Good day, sir. Welcome. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good, brother. All right, good man. To, good to see you. Good to see you too, man. It's always good to see you, brother. So we're going to try to keep the train on the tracks, all right? We're going to make an attempt to do so. Uh, naturally, the, the big news. And I'm actually happy they have somebody because at least legislation can move forward. But we're talking about Mike Johnson, Congressman Johnson, now Speaker of the House. All right. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about the new speaker. So if you would give us your sentiment and I will then opine. I, uh, for three weeks, I've been hammering the Republicans on my show on 95.5 WSB radio here in Atlanta. I've been hammering them, um, calling them childish, calling them um, lack of leadership, mm -hmm. uh, calling them all sorts of names that we probably can't use on family television. Um, I've been very critical of them. I was critical of them for getting rid of McCarthy and not having a plan B. I understand maybe you have some problems with McCarthy, but at least have a plan B. That way, when you vote to get rid of them, you have somebody well, I mean, waiting in the well to vote for them next and put them in and we ha we miss, uh, we have no days off. Um, so I was very unhappy for the last three weeks. Um, I think Mike Johnson uh, is the pick that People got tired of waiting. 
and his name and number came up at the right right time uh, for Republicans who were just tired of going through this process. And they were also hearing from a lot of their constituents and people like me who were tired of seeing nobody there, particularly with a war going on in the Middle East um, and no leader in the House here in, 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 in Congress. So um, uh, like you, I was very critical of them. I, I, I don't mind Mike Johnson. Um, he's more conservative than a McCarthy. Um, but McCarthy was called a, a conservative by the Democrats. So whoever's the Republican Speaker of House is going to be is going to be called a, a Trump supporting, MAGA supporting conservative that's dangerous for democracy. Um, is Mike Johnson that? I don't think so. Uh, are there some things that I disagree with him on? Um, absolutely. Uh, but I don't think that he is um, uh, going to be this uh, devil in the, as a speaker in uh, as a speaker that the Democrats are making him out to be. Although they would have made anybody out, they made Jordan to be to be that. If he would have won, Scalise and on, on name the name the list, name yeah. the names. Yeah, Republicans do that as well to Democrat Absolutely. Democratic leadership. It's the political interplay. But let's talk about Johnson outside of the branding and outside of the name calling. Let's talk about him practically as a policy leader as he is elected. Uh, it was his amicus brief, and this is the reason why people say. He's basically a Trump acolyte. He's the guy, the only guy who filed an amicus brief. Two thirds of Republicans in Congress signed off on the amicus brief that provided the foundation or the legal platform to say that Donald Trump should remain in office because of these allegations of the election being stolen. Now I'm paraphrasing a very long brief. In your estimation of everything that happened, let me first ask this question. Did Trump have the election stolen from him and Biden is an illegitimate president? No. Okay. No more than Democrats calling Trump and George W. Bush an illegitimate president. Good enough. Right. So let's agree. Good, we'll agree. Now, the guy who disagrees with you and who went before members of Congress, got Mm -hmm. them to sign it, filed it, he disagrees. He believes that Trump should be in power today. I think something contrary to the Constitution, right? Contrary to the will of the voter. Right, I disagree with that, um, and that's one don't of the you think that that's a big thing to disagree with? No, no, not at all, not at all. I'll tell you why. I'll okay. tell you why because he wasn't the only one. And when you say he that's got, well, listen, not, not, I already agreed with you. So now okay. let's go forward. Why it's not dangerous or not, you okay. know, the spooky demon? Um, because, like you said, you you phrase it as he got one hundred or two thirds of the Republican House to agree with him. No, he didn't get them to agree with him. He, he got they them all, to sign it. Well, they, they, got got the, they, he passed, they endorsed he, the amicus brief, right? So because this they is outside of political because projection. he agreed because they agreed with him because they agreed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, many Republican voters to this day agree that Donald Trump had the stole, election stolen from him, just mm-hmm. like thousands of Democrats in the state of Georgia. Many of them, your friends and my friends, believe Stacey Abrams lost twi- didn't lose twice, won twice. So mm-hmm. there's, there's this idea in this country where both sides believe when they lose an election that it's been stolen. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly dangerous for both sides to talk like that, because mm-hmm. all you do is take the trust out of the system from regular voters. So I understand your point in a generalized tone. 
but we're talking specifically about an individual who becomes part of the line or the lineage to become president of the United States if the right people happen to either become unavailable or die, right? You also have a person who now is the speaker of the House, one of the most powerful positions naturally inside of the government. And one would argue that person has more power than a vice president of the United States has, given that power is only allocated by way of allowance through a president. So this person is not just the general public is my point. And there are things that are accepted among the general public in our political discourse that we would say we choose not to have that same value system codified inside of one of our actual leaders because now you are antithetical to the notion of democracy. Because but if you agree, but but allow he, but me to finish. Allow ahead. me to finish. If you agree that the election was not stolen, that democracy actually reigned and ruled, that people chose the election. But you have a guy who's now in governmental leadership elected by the same process known as democracy saying, no, 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 no. Forget what everyone said by way of their vote. Forget about the sentiment of the majority of the people of this country. Forget what the Constitution says. Forget what the law says. I want Trump to remain president. That is a problem when you contextualize that in the fact that he's a leader in the US Congress and now Speaker of the House. That's none of that. All of that is pure hyperbole, sir. Mm. First of all, because the vice president certifies the election. So in 2025, if let's say the Democrat wins, all he can do is pontificate from his speaker's leadership position because he is in no way, shape or form there to certify the election. As a matter of fact, when Kamala Harris would be certifying the election or whomever, well, she would be because she would be the sitting vice president, she'd be codifying, certifying the election for the Democrat if they were to win. He would be sitting behind her, as was Kevin McCarthy and those behind years past. So, so the point is that. So these ideas in our politics about people having thoughts about stolen elections, having thoughts about whether Ukraine should get funding or Israel should get funding, or whether Palestine uh, Palestinians are the real victim. All of those ideas are held by all the members of the Congress who all have an opportunity to be the Speaker of the House. The idea that because he's the third in line makes him more dangerous than the rest, I don't think. I think it's fallacy. Do I just do I agree with everything? I don't. But I like him as a speaker because finally, I believe conservatives have a voice in a leadership position. And I think that's that's the new thing. And that's what, as a pundit and as a conservative, I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Is is his is his career, has his career, excuse me, has his career been a talking game because he's in ruby red, solid red Louisiana, or is he really a conservative? And we'll find that out. Um, I do like line item voting. I do want to see a vote for Ukraine funding separate than Israeli funding, separate than border funding. He, he's for that. Those things are everyday issues that regular voters can understand and, and agree or disagree with. I'm not going to get lost in the discussion on what he voted for, amicus brief, all that stuff. It's fair. I'm not saying it's not a fair criticism. I'm just saying that I want to see going forward. Is, is this guy going to uh, be a speaker that's really a conservative and do conservative things? Because that's what the base really wants. Yeah, I think he's a conservative that will do the things Trump tells him to do. And I, I, think that's, I think that's demeaning. I, I think that's well, insulting well, and demeaning. It's true, but it's I don't true. think it's true. I don't think it's true. I Wait think a minute, let me tell you why it's true. I'm going okay. to tell you why it's true. Because um, he was there before Trump. I know that. Everybody was. Right. Yeah. But go ahead. 
Okay, so the amicus brief was filed directly because this is according to Mike Johnson. The amicus brief was filed because Trump and him had a conversation. He literally said, I just had a conversation with Donald Trump yesterday. Mm -hmm. And out of that conversation sparked the amicus brief plan. Because and, he already and, agreed with the election being stolen. Okay, understand, sir, you, you, understand. You understand. Wait a minute, sir. But you, I'm saying, but you, you understand you all of this is because everything said was demeaning to Mr. Johnson. No, however, no, no. it was Congressman Johnson himself right, who no, said, no. "I'm doing this because I have the blessing of Donald Trump." Donald Trump because also they endorsed all agree, Johnson. Because Right, because the all Donald Trump also endorsed Jim Jordan. He lost. Donald oh, that, Trump. That, right, know, right. I mean, that, that's he, an interesting right. dynamic, but right. that has nothing to do with the fact that this individual may simply do what. Uh, what you would have said that about Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise. Yeah, you yeah, said that yeah, about yeah, Kevin yeah, McCarthy. Yeah. When Kevin yeah, so McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, hold on, no, I, when I Kevin McCarthy was a House Speaker, I, I thought Kevin when McCarthy Kevin McCarthy was was a horrible is a horrible representative, but I don't think he did simply. Everything you guys uh, said Trump he told did. Him to do. You guys said he say, did. Come on, come on, dear brother. Well, I'm, I'm not, sorry. I'm not generalizing right, right, enough, what other people enough, have said enough, against you, dear brother. I, I, can't, said, I can't answer for everybody in the world. Fair enough. Right, okay. and I can't answer for all Republicans. But That's right. Fair enough. Democrats said McCarthy was just a Trump acolyte. Every Republican that's Listen, come that's down politics, to politics, dear brother. We're talking but, but about you, a man who. But that's what you just said. What you just said. This man was literally willing to violate the fundamental principles of democracy. No, Our he, entire he was actually using the legal. No, he was actually using the legal foundations that of Constitution allows us to do, which is challenge an election. That is Constitution. It's in it. You can challenge let's, an election. Let's you talk can. about. Okay, let's talk about the. You, um, you can challenge an election now. Okay, do you, bro, you do, said it three times. I, I want to respond to that. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can absolutely challenge an election. The amicus brief was more than just a challenge to an election. It was a challenge to democracy. It clearly shows, like you just said on my show, right. clearly uh, the man was not elected for a second term. You, as an elected official who is empowered by the same system, will say, you know what? The people who elected me, uh, forget y'all. I don't give a damn about you all's vote or how democracy actually works. I'm going to file this amicus brief saying that it shouldn't work that way in this case. You don't find that to be quite hypocritical and problematic. I, 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 that's, of a, that's not, a, that's not what the amicus brief. The amicus brief did not say that, and you know it. The amicus brief Come was on. filed to challenge the Come amicus on, brief. Come the on. amicus brief was filed to mm. challenge the legitimacy of the election, meaning mm. based mm -hmm. on fraudulent election outcomes in several states. That didn't and exist. Part of, let me finish. And part of that was four states, all their Supreme Courts, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and I can't remember the fourth one, all changed their voting laws, the Supreme Court did, and not the state legislature. And that was the premise of all those amicus briefs that states, Supreme Courts, judicial branches of state governments who are not empowered to change state law, constitutionally federal and state um, only allow state legislatures so to change let me, election let me give law. You the, uh, and so that was a challenge. That. that was that was the basis right. of these briefs. Right. And the Supreme and it, Court struck them all down. Right. So that, that's the point. Right. So so let me. That's not the point that. because the Supreme no, Court no, struck down vote. It's, the Supreme it's about Court. To be my point. Supreme it's about Court. To be my point. Wait, the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Uh -huh. Roe, Roe v. Wade, and we just mm -hmm. had a big argument about it on several weeks, several months ago. And you disagree okay. with the Supreme Court then? Now the Supreme yeah. Court knows what it's doing. Come on, Wait a Rashad. minute, dear brother. Let stay, me stay consistent. Stay consistent. Oh, extremely consistent, dear stay brother. Consistent. Your game, your games do not impact me. <laughs> you don't frame things for me. So let you me. You framed it yourself. 
No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Let me, let me respond to your initial proclamation about the amicus brief. The amicus brief was a frivolous lawsuit in every single sense of the word. And that frivolous lawsuit was kicked out on the merit <laughs> that it had no merit. Uh, the reality is people voted. They voted based on the rules that were codified at that time. And the majority of the voters get their say, period. You're dismissed, goodbye. So let's come to the Roe v. Wade dynamic you just mentioned, because I do find it ironic. You agree, do you agree that uh, Mike Johnson is actually a conservative? Because it seemed like you were I think of- he, I, I, I said I said earlier, mm-hmm. we'll find out if his rhetoric matches okay. his leadership, uh, his leadership. Okay. Uh, will, will those things match up? Um, I do believe based on his past policy positions, his okay. past rhetoric, that he is a conservative. However, can a conservative, just like can a far progress, far, far left progressive mm-hmm. rule the uh, be speaker of any, of the house in such a divided partisan uh, country? I don't think a hard okay. right conservative can bring and galvanize Democrats to get bipartisan issues done. Yeah. I think he's going to have to move a little bit more to the center. We'll see if he does that. All right. So final, I'm getting to wrap up. I know it's almost time, and I appreciate you being on the show today, brother. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Absolutely. At the end of the day, because to me, this is the most problematic thing. If Donald Trump tells him to do the unthinkable, if Donald Trump tells him to do something that we all would agree on at this moment that it's illegal to do that, and Trump tells him to do it, knowing good and damn well Trump has a propensity to do things like that. I'd be on your side of the fence with my picket, pick my picket, my pitchfork, my, my, my flaming, whatever you call those things, my signs, my everything. I'll be right there with you and probably 70% of Republicans and conservatives, I won't say Republicans in this case, I'll say conservatives would be right behind us. I think that answer has integrity. I hope that 70% number is actually true. Absolutely. And I will say this, I will say this about your character. I remember listening to you on your radio show and you were critical of Trump because Trump started to come after the governor of Georgia and and you decided to make a stand. You said what you said. You meant what you said, and I can appreciate leadership on that. Now, as far as uh, what you tap dancing around today, not so much. But <laughs> that's but racist, I sir. That, I don't that. tap dance. I, I, I break dance, brother. Always <laughs> right, good to see you. Uh, you too, my you, brother. Peace right. out. Peace out. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. 